Welcome to Brighton Road Baptist Church and our online service. You may be a regular attender, listen via the phone or a CD, or you may have just found us whilst um, online. Whichever way it is, uh, please know that you are really very welcome. And isn't it great that we can be together in worship? Our call to worship is taken from Psalm 8, starting at verse 1. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings, that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honour. Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And so we sing together our opening hymn of praise and adoration for he who is in all and above all. Come, see the Lord.
Let me now lead you in a prayer, one based on one written by Julie Son. Dear Father, you are the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. You know what was, what is, and what is to come. And Lord, not only are you everlasting, but your love for us is everlasting. So we rest in your knowledge, your wisdom, in your care for us. In the light of your sovereignty and love, we need not despair. We may not understand why something is happening, but we can be sure that you do. So we place our trust and our hope in you, Lord, and praise your glorious and holy name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue in our attitude of adoration as we sing, Who is there like you?
At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven, the angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven. For the son of man has come to save that which was lost. How do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them.
Dear God, today we pray for the children going back to school and that they are kept safe. We also pray for the safety of those who are going back to their jobs. We pray for the wellness towards people who are sick and unwell, maybe having a certain person in our minds. We pray for America and their presidential election. We pray that the protests end peacefully and no one gets harmed. And finally, we pray for the safety and health of migrants and those who may not have a home. We pray that their lives become better as they go on. Amen. We've recently just celebrated my eldest daughter's 18th birthday. And with birthday celebrations, sometimes you can have balloons. And for lots of people who like them, they can bring a lot of pleasure, either for decorations in the case of this one, or perhaps if, uh, if you just like to throw balloons around as part of a game, or maybe into uh, balloon modelling or something like that. So they can bring lots of pleasure. But to other people, they can bring a little bit of sadness, can't they? Um, maybe they're frightened of balloons. Um, or perhaps when, when it pops, it's quite difficult for a child to hold back the tears. We can sometimes be a little bit like a balloon, kind of puffed up. We can think of ourselves as perhaps more important than that next person, or more uh, clever than the next person, or better at sport, or we might be have all these various gifts that we think, actually, that makes us a little bit more special than the next person. We can get really puffed up with our own sense of importance and it might be true that we're better at a particular sport or a particular gift, but it can really affect our attitude and affect the way that we are with other people. We can think of ourselves as being more entitled than the next person, that somehow we have a greater right to say or do certain things. When we're puffed up with our own sense of importance, it can lead us to not treating others with the kindness, either in the words or the way the, the, the way that we choose to act towards others. Or perhaps being puffed up means that we don't listen in the way that we ought, particularly when it's something that we don't want to hear because it might ring a little bit too true and we might need to change. Ultimately, when a balloon gets too puffed up, then it gets ruined. In the same way, when we get too puffed up with our own self-importance, it can really damage not only us, but also our relationship with others. Now in the passage that Jamie read to us earlier, um, Jesus called a little child the best example of the humility that we should show if we're gonna be a part of God's kingdom. A few verses later, Jesus is talking about how to relate to one another when relationship amongst God's people is broken down. Being a follower of Jesus means putting your ego and your inclination to puff yourself up to one side and follow Jesus' example of humility. Jesus, the one person who completely deserves to have all bow at his feet, he humbled himself completely and was even obedient to death.
Jesus, we're sorry for those times we're not humble and it leads people to being hurt. Help us, Lord, to not become too puffed up with our own importance. Help us remember that whatever gifts we have are from you and you are the one who deserves the praise. In your great name we pray. Amen. Before Tim comes and shares what God has laid on his heart, let's sing a song that encourages us to have Jesus be the one in charge so that our lives may better reflect his glory over all the earth.
Here in Brighton Road Baptist Church, God calls us to be a covenant community, committed to watching over each other and walking together in ways known and to be made known. We have a responsibility for each other's well-being, to help keep each other on the straight and narrow. Now, the quality of that commitment to fellowship has been tested over recent months because we haven't been able to gather and meet face-to-face to face on the Sunday morning as we used to. And although we're starting to meet in limited numbers again now, we do need to remember to keep an eye open for those people who aren't joining us because they're understandably wary about venturing out again into public places. Make sure they're not forgotten or overlooked or that they become isolated. Let's keep the contact up with each other as we move together into the autumn. Thank you to those of you who have really applied yourselves to keeping in touch by phone or by some other means with other people. You might have met in each other's homes and gardens when this, when this has been permitted. And as we move into the autumn, let me ask you, please keep on doing this. And don't, don't sit around at home waiting for someone else to make the first move. Why don't you take the initiative by picking up the phone, sending a note or an email to someone whose company you miss, someone you haven't seen or heard from in a while. Fellowship goes much deeper than just seeing each other in church on a Sunday morning. Now, of course, the upside of not meeting together is that we don't have quite as many opportunities to upset or offend each other. I find it a bit depressing, really, how easily Christians fall out with one another, though perhaps I shouldn't be too surprised. You put a lot of sinful, broken and hurting people together in a church and there's bound to be some fallout along the line. The comforting thing from my point of view is that, well, Jesus clearly knew that this would happen. He anticipated it. That's why in Matthew 18 you get such practical, clear instructions about what to do if you see someone else sinning, if you see them going off the rails. Their well-being is your concern. So you have a responsibility to go and have a gentle word, not to criticise or condemn, but to share love and concern and try and get them back on track again. It's the same if someone has said or done something to upset you personally. Go and talk it through with them face to face, one to one. It's about walking in the light with each other. But we're not very good at this, are we? Our natural inclination is to go and complain about someone's behaviour to a third party and try and get the third party on our side. And when that happens, you begin to get little groups of people at odds with one another. And that's fatal to good fellowship. Now, Jesus is quite explicit here. You keep on going back to the person who's walking out of line. First for a one-to-one conversation with them, then if they refuse to listen to you, you meet again with one or two others with you, and then if nothing changes, and only then, do you start to talk to the church and say, I'm really concerned about so-and-so's behaviour. What can we do about this? And Jesus then says that if the person concerned refuses even to listen to the church, then the church is to regard them as a Gentile or a tax collector, someone who needs to go back to first base and accept the life-changing grace of Christ into their heart to be part of the fellowship again. And, And what sins, might we ask, qualify for such a drastic sanction? Well, actually, that's the wrong question to ask. 
What Jesus focuses on is not what the person concerned has done, but the attitude that lies behind it. A refusal to listen to the church betrays an underlying mindset of defiance, a refusal to repent, to submit to other people, an entrenched, arrogant way of thinking. The Old Testament says that is sinning with a high hand. And it's in that context that Jesus says of the church, the community of his followers, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It's as if he's saying that God endorses whatever the church decides. It's down to the church to decide whether the letter of the law should be applied in this case to someone's conduct and for the church to decide whether they're bound to their sin or whether they are released from it through repentance and forgiveness. And Jesus says what the church decides, binding or loosing, is ratified in heaven, binding and loosing. You know, I sometimes wish that Jesus hadn't said this because the church has so often got it disastrously wrong. One single word, inquisition, sums up the way leaders in the church have in the past abused their power. And not just in the past. Over the years, I've seen occasions where people have used the church to, to pursue their own personal vendettas against someone else, to build their own power base, to promote prejudice, sometimes with catastrophic consequences. It's tragic. So why did Jesus say this? When you see how people in church abuse power when they get it, you have to wonder what Jesus was thinking of when he said, whatever you bind or loose on earth will be bound or loosed in heaven. And for good measure, he reinforces it by saying, look, if two or three agree on something in earth, on earth, then whatever they ask for will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Jesus, what were you thinking when you said that? What do you think we would do with those words? Did you know how badly we'd get it wrong? But then in Matthew 18.20, he makes what seems to me to be a vital additional remark. For he says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. That means whenever we meet in Jesus' name, we meet with a deeply held awareness that Jesus is present. And because he's Lord, we defer to him. Our priority is to ask, what would Jesus do now in this situation? What would Jesus say here? And we need to ask ourselves, Am I being governed by his grace and his love? Or am I being driven by my own anger and pride? And we need to be careful because our capacity for self-deception is limitless. And when that stress hormone, cortisol, starts flowing through our bloodstream, our principles go out the window and we instinctively say or do whatever it takes to survive or to win the fight. But when that happens... We're not thinking, speaking or acting in harmony with the Spirit of Christ who ceaselessly at work within us to make the church a place where people discover that in Jesus' name they are ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. Jesus says these words in Matthew 18 to remind us that we don't preach cheap grace. Together in church we are a kingdom of priests. It's our immense privilege to forgive sins, to declare people's sins forgiven in Jesus' name. But forgiving sin is not the same as tolerating it, endorsing it, or turning a blind eye to it. Jesus gives us the responsibility of sorting it out 
when things go wrong. So let me close by, by reading you Matthew 18, 15 to 20 again, this time adapting words from the message version of the Bible. If a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell them. Work it out between the two of you. If they listen, you've made a friend. If they won't listen, take one or two others along so that the presence of witnesses will keep things honest and try again. If they still won't listen, tell the church. If they won't listen to the church, you'll have to start over from scratch. Confront them with the need for repentance and offer again God's forgiving love. Take this most seriously. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. What you say to one another is eternal. I mean this. When two of you get together on anything at all on earth and make a prayer of it, my Father in heaven goes into action. And when two or three of you are together because of me, you can be sure that I'll be there as well. So remember then, whenever you meet together, however you feel, whatever you say, whatever you do, Jesus is there with you. And where things have gone wrong, ask him to help you say and do the right thing to bring grace into that situation so that through you he can sort it out and the church can be the place he intends it to be, the place where people find forgiveness and reconciliation in his name.
May the peace of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with us all and guide us day by day. Sing. 